This morning's scriptures from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, eleven persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. These persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worst, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know these those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Uh, Handbell Choir, thank you. I know it's hard uh, to, to prepare and to plan uh, for moments like these, but we are so grateful and thankful for each of you uh, who's playing and blessing us this morning. Well, last week we jumped into our Lenten sermon series called Disciples Made Here, and throughout this series we're taking a look at the kind of disciples of Jesus Christ that we are uniquely called to make for the sake of God's kingdom and our community. Because we want to be a church, friends, I want you to hear this, we want to be a church that calls and equips people to build faith-filled communities that transform our community for Christ. We want you to be called and equipped to carry your faith out into the world to create places where people experience the presence of God and the power of God. Now you might be thinking, he's asking me to start a prayer service. I'm not. I'm not asking you to start a small group simply asking you to find some places in your life where you might be able to have some coffee or take someone out to lunch or have a quiet conversation so that you can create a a faith-filled space. Because I believe that if we unleashed a church like ours out into our community to transform the spaces and places that we go every single week, that our community will be transformed, that the kingdom of God might come here in Statesboro in a way that perhaps it's never come anywhere else. So last week we talked about what it is to be a disciple of Jesus, and I gave you some marks of what a disciple is. And so a disciple first is one who chooses to follow the way of Jesus. They've committed to follow Jesus' life, his example, and teachings. Now That doesn't mean they're perfect. In fact, if you go back and you look at the disciples of Jesus, his inner circle of twelve, You'll notice that they are very imperfect people. They are broken people. They don't get it. They don't understand, but they're committed to following Jesus' way. So in the ups and downs of life, a disciple is one who's committed to following the way of Jesus, and that commitment colors how they live, work, and play. It impacts how they see the world around them and how they pattern their lives. But a disciple is also one who's in a growing relationship with Jesus, Disciples are working each day to develop a deeper and more intimate walk with Christ. 
And they do so through spiritual practices such as studying Scripture, prayer, fasting, meditation, worship, and fellowship, and community. What, what better time of the year than Lent to begin picking up some spiritual disciplines as we prepare ourselves for Easter? A disciple's commitment to Jesus means that they've arranged their lives in a certain way to cultivate intimacy with Jesus. Now, you're probably pretty familiar with those first two marks of a disciple of Jesus. But the third mark is critically important. And this is what defines a disciple, I believe. A disciple of Jesus Christ is one who makes disciples. That is, they're inviting others to commit to following the way of Jesus. They're helping them learn how to study God's word, how to pray, how to fast, how to meditate, how to worship and fellowship and build community right where they are. Disciples, friends, make disciples. They own their part of God's mission. Do you know the difference between being a disciple and being a church member? Do you know the difference? There's a huge difference, friends. Oftentimes when we think about membership, we think about uh, the, the, a club or a country club or a golf course. That's where my, where my mind goes most often, being a part of something. When you join a club or a group, what do you get? You get privileges, right? If you join the country club, you get to eat uh, in the restaurant there and, and you get to go out on the golf course and set up a tea time when you'd like to be. You get privileges when you become a part of those clubs, when you become a member. When you join the church... You don't get membership privileges. <laughs> you get membership, I know, right, Bob? Right? You get membership responsibilities. You get to play a part in God's mission for our church, for our community, and for our world. Our members don't get privileges. They get responsibilities because we want to own our part of the Great Commission. We want to own our part of God's mission to redeem every single soul in every single circumstance. We want to hear Jesus as he tells us at the end of Matthew's Gospel, to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. Disciples, friends, are called to make disciples. And they're looking for opportunities to call people to faithfulness, to help equip them for life and ministry so that they can call others to faithfulness in Jesus Christ. So disciples, they're called, called to follow the way of Jesus, to grow in their relationship with Jesus, and are disciples who make disciples. I would love for us to be a church filled with that kind of disciples, not just church members but a whole congregation filled with people who want to own their part of God's mission and the church's mission. Now I want to I want to ask you a question. I don't know if you've noticed this, but right now our world is a pretty negative place. It's a place where there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of sadness and grief, there's a lot of resentment all around us. We see so much discouragements time and time again. And it starts, friends, very early in life, those voices of discouragement. You may send your kids off to school and immediately when they go to school and they come back home, you find out that they weren't picked for the team that you wanted them to be a part of or that they wanted to be a part of. And they felt left out because they weren't good enough. Then they're not in the advanced class or the, the, the gifted class, so they feel like they're average at 
best. Then somebody makes fun of them for being different and they feel even more alone. Then today with social media, you can post your picture, right? And maybe it doesn't get nearly as many likes as your friend's picture and everybody seems to have more followers than you do. Back when I was a kid, when you were in school, that sort of thing didn't exist. So like if you were uh, felt lonely and left out at school, you just went home at the end of the day, right? And things usually got better. Now our children can't get away from those negative voices. They can't get away from the discouragements, from the anger and the hurts. Now there's hard data proving that you're not in the popular crowd. And that, friends, is discouraging. But then you grow up, right? Some of us have have grown up and we get into the real world and you go into work and the project that you spent hours and days and, and weeks on doesn't seem to be good enough for your boss. And so you're discouraged. Then you come home and your spouse starts picking on you. My spouse never does that, right, Stephanie? (laughs) Never picks on me at all. (laughs) Then you go to a a lunch, right, with your your in-laws or or your parents, and, and they don't like the way you're raising your kids, and so now you feel discouraged about that, and you get pretty low pretty quick. Then you think, I'll, I'll get something new to wear. I'll get a nice new pair of pants, and, and you wear your new pants to, to work, and people ask you, are those new pants? And you're thrilled because they noticed, right? And you say yes, and they go, oh. <laughs> Which sometimes sounds like, ooh. <laughs> right? Not, oh, great, but oh. And you're like, what does that mean? Do you like them or not? Friends, our world can be a discouraging place, and it seems like our our first option in most conversations and debates is to be critical. And we find ourselves with voices of discouragement that ring in our ears, that ring in our community, that ring in our world. And pretty soon you can believe that your life just doesn't seem very important because of all of the negativity that you're surrounded by. It's amazing to me how we can go through what seems to be a normal day and experience so many different voices of discouragements in our lives. But in a world filled with negativity, disciples of Jesus are called to be faithful encouragers. We're called to be faithful encouragers. We're going to choose to stay faithful and positive. Faithful and positive. I believe that God is calling every one of us here today to become encouragers, if you aren't already, to build up others in a world that is constantly tearing people down. In fact, over the last few months, when our staff has been talking about the kind of dream disciples that, that we'd want at Pittman Park, faithful encourager was the first quality on our list. There are so many negative voices in the world. We want to be a congregation filled with people who are faithfully encouraging others in their walk with Christ and in their faith. And that for us means this. A faithful encourager is one who consistently reflects Jesus to others in a way that builds belonging. Faithful encouragers don't just have a word that lifts you up or a presence that strengthens you when you find yourself frustrated. Faithful encouragers go even further. They have the ability to tell you the truth in a way that guides you toward belonging, toward restoration, toward hope and new life. 
throughout the Scriptures, but especially in the New Testament, we see God sending faithful encouragers along to give a word of hope to others, to be an encouraging presence, to speak the truth in love in order for them to take a step forward in their faith and their relationship with God. One of my favorite examples of this comes from Paul's life. You may remember that Paul wasn't always the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul was once Saul, the persecutor of the church. At one point in his life, his chief job was making sure that the church was crushed and he had the authority to execute those who weren't following the Jewish law. But he has this life-changing experience on the road to Damascus one day where he's headed to do his job of eradicating the church. And he meets Jesus in a blinding light. You can read all about this experience in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 25. And we read that story. We say, what a miracle. Saul has become Paul. And now he is going to go on this great adventure to share the gospel with the world. It wasn't that quick or that easy, friends. Saul's life may have been changed in a single day. But the people around him had a lot of doubts. My life was kind of like that at one point. I had a profound experience with Jesus. And I knew that my life was changed and different, but there were a lot of people around me who had a lot of doubts. So Paul's life has changed in an instant, and he decides that he's going to become a part of the disciples. So he tries to meet up with them. This is in Acts Acts chapter 9, verse 26. And the disciples are like, hey, uh, just a few weeks ago, you killed our friend Stephen. There's no way you're going to be a part of our movement. You are one who hates us. Are you some kind of double agent? Are you someone who's sneaking in uh, to get into the inner circle so that you can finally end this movement of Jesus? So the disciples reject him at first. But then someone steps up to speak on Paul's behalf. And that's a man, a disciple named Barnabas. Now, Barnabas' backstory is that he's, he's been named the son of encouragement because he is someone who is just always encouraging. He's always bringing a word to lift others up, standing up for others. And so he goes back to the disciples and says, no, guys, you don't understand. Saul's life has been transformed. He's experienced and met the risen Jesus. He is no longer the great persecutor. God has a plan and a purpose for his life. And so it's through Barnabas's encouragement that Saul begins to be Paul, this force that sends the gospel out to the Gentiles. Whenever Paul and the disciples begin to preach in verses 27 and on, you see that God's power is unleashed in a way that it never has been before until Paul comes into conflict with a group of Hellenists, these these Greek Jews um, who threaten his life. And so the disciples send Paul away to Tarsus, back to his hometown. You'd think his ministry would be over. But guess who goes to find Paul? Barnabas, the encourager. He's seen Paul's gifts. He's seen Paul's talents, his ability, his witness. And so Barnabas goes to find Paul. And he brings Paul back to a place called Antioch. Antioch, by the way, is the first place where Christians are called Christians. Paul 
is brought to Antioch by Barnabas, who encourages him all the way. And then as Paul sets out on his, his first missionary journey, it's Barnabas, this son of encouragement, who goes along with him. And this lesson in encouragement that Paul receives again and again and again from his friend Barnabas is one that he seems to have taken to heart. Because Paul, as he travels on these missionary journeys, he doesn't just go someplace and proclaim the gospel. He goes there and he encourages the believers who are in these cities. He begins to give them encouragement. And, and when he sees someone who's exceptionally gifted, he draws them in and begins to encourage them again and again and again. Paul is a disciple of Jesus. He's committed to Christ. He's growing in his faith and he starts calling others to commit their lives to Christ. And we see Paul being a faithful encourager in his mentoring relationship with Timothy. Listen to what Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. Paul says, You, Timothy, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance. You know who I am, Timothy. You've seen my life. You know the qualities of my character. And then he says, you also know what I've been through, the persecutions and sufferings, what things happened to me in Antioch, where Paul was wildly successful in ministry, but was also thrown out of the city several times. You know what happened in Iconium and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life, Timothy, will be persecuted. If you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, Timothy, you will be persecuted while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and you've become convinced of and how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, Timothy, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you see what Paul is doing doing here? He's writing to his friend Timothy, this young man in the faith, to offer him encouragement. And Paul does a couple of things here. He shares his life with Timothy. You've seen my character, he says to Timothy. You know my teachings and my way of life. And he calls on Timothy to press on, to continue in what he's learned and reminds him of who Timothy is. How since his childhood, he's been raised up and given access to the Word of God through his mother and through his family. And y'all get this, Paul's encouragement? Paul's encouragement changes Timothy's life. Timothy goes from being a child to being a spiritual leader and the father of his church. He's committed to God and travels with Paul and grows in his faith day by day. And he calls others to know the hope and the purpose and the life that's found in Jesus Christ. But friends, Timothy wouldn't have gotten there without Paul. And Paul's encouragement. And Paul never would have gotten there without Barnabas. And Barnabas never would have gotten there unless he was called up by the disciples because of his faithfulness to Jesus. This is why I think it's so important for us 
become faithful encouragers. Because we have no idea how a simple act of encouragement can radically change a life. Even something that's not a big deal for you. A cup of coffee, a conversation, a hug, a thank you card, a text message, an email can be an incredibly big deal for somebody else as they receive it as a gift of encouragement from heaven. And I know for all of us here, when you think back on your life and on your faith, that there have been some people, I'm sure, who've been sources of encouragement for you. People who've given their time, their energy, their passion, and their wisdom to help you learn and grow and mature in Christ. Maybe they, like Barnabas, went and found you when you were discouraged and had run away. Or maybe they journeyed with you for a little while to help you through that hard season of your life. Or maybe they just had the right word at the right time. You know who your encouragers are. Friends, it's time to pass that gift on. To become a faithful encourager who's hearing God's word and discovering God's will and sharing those gifts with the world. In fact, if you want to grow as an encourager, I would invite you to think about two simple questions this morning. If we want to be faithful encouragers, we have to have that commitment to Christ. We have to be growing in our relationship with God. We have to be committed to calling others in order to be for them to be disciples. So the first question is this. Are you hearing the voice of God and acting on it? Faithful encouragers have put themselves in a place, they've disciplined their lives in such a way that they can hear the voice of God or, or sense God's presence and God's nudging to speak a word or offer a hand. Not only that, when they hear God's voice, when they sense that nudge, they respond. They're ready to act and do the will of God. Barnabas felt that, nerd, that nudge with Paul. Paul felt that nudge with Timothy. And I know that God has appointed someone along the way in your life to speak encouragement to you. And that other person's obedience has helped transform your life. So are you hearing the voice of God in your life? And are you acting on it? Here's the second question. Have you shared your faith with someone who does not share your faith this week? Have you shared your faith with someone who does not share your faith this week? Now, I've got to tell you, that does not involve you standing on a corner with a megaphone and a poster. In fact, if you think about standing on a corner with a megaphone and a poster to talk to someone about your faith, come see me first. (laughs) We'll pray, okay? See, here's the thing. Sharing your faith is not about standing on a corner and shouting. It's about sitting down at a table. It's about walking through life with other people. It's about holding hands with that family who's just lost a child or a parent. It's about standing there arm in arm for justice and for peace in our community. It's about the small actions that make a difference. Faithful encouragers, simply by their being and doing of life, encourage others to take a step towards Jesus Christ.
And friends, you don't have to wait to be a faithful encourager. You can start right now. I'm sure if you just took one, one or two moments, you could write a list of people who need a kind word to be spoken to them today. Who need to know that though they might be facing insurmountable odds and incredible circumstances, that God is still with them. You can send a text. You can make a call. You can drop a note in the mail. You can show up at someone's house with a meal and just say, God put you on my heart. So I'm here to bless you and encourage you today. And then turn and walk away. You, friends, can be faithful encouragers right where you are, right now. The question is, will you? Will you? Will you hear the voice of God, sense the nudging of God, and respond? And will you share your faith with someone who doesn't share your faith today? Tonight, I hope that you'll come out at 6 p.m. so that we together can be faithful encouragers for those who are sick and who are hurting in our community right now. I hope that you'll come out as we lift them before the throne of God in prayer. We can become, friends, a church filled with faithful encouragers who are inviting others to know Christ. Inviting others to be a part of God's mission and the transformation of this world. Amen.